Welcome to Thinking Through Autonomy, a podcast to help you understand the promise and impact of autonomous land and air vehicles in our world. I'm Ken Dunlap, managing partner of Catalyst Go, taking you on this journey. Hear and read more at thinkingthroughautonomy.com. Now it's time to take your hands off the wheel, foot off the pedal, hand off that throttle, and let's go. Welcome to this edition of Thinking Through Autonomy. We're here with Israel Stahl, noted author, serial inventor, and one of the clearest thinkers on the subject of innovation and creativity that you will ever find. Part one of this three-part series deals with why we should care about creativity in our lives and in our organizations. In part two, Israel and I discuss the particulars of innovation and creativity and we wrap things up in part three with a wild ride through the way in which you can bring creativity to your workplace. Israel, welcome to Thinking Through Autonomy. Thanks for joining us in our studios today. Um, let me start by saying that I am completely blown away by your accomplishments. You're an accomplished welding engineer. You've invented something called super cavitating torpedoes which sounds like a torpedo that must be like blindingly fast and stealthy that goes through the, the water. Um, you've worked at SpaceX and, and helped them design rockets. And you really have some incredible ideas when it comes to innovation and creativity and how to bring that in our organizations. And I really couldn't be more pleased to have you here today talking about that. Thank you. The audience would be very interested in understanding the mind of an inventor. I mean, to me, with the 3540 patent set you have, that, that tells me you're, you're one of those unique people who can translate great ideas in their head and put them down on paper and get other people to actually take those ideas and implement them. But, you know, all these things that you've invented, um, what brings you the most satisfaction? What's the one that makes you smile when you get up every morning? What's the one you think about? What's, what's the one that says, this is Israel, this is the best of what I've got? I think there were a number of inventions uh, throughout my career that were related to welding engineering, especially in the area of friction stir welding technology, as well as uh, gas metal arc welding. And I have no idea what gas metal arc welding is or friction welding but friction it's still welding yes it sounds like putting two metals together that were never meant to be put together and then making sure that they don't crack apart and cause some disaster is that what that is yes this is correct uh, uh, these two processes the first one is solid state based joining process the gmaw or mig is a fusion based welding process and both of them are designed to put metals together by fusing, by, by, by joining them basically. Which is why I would assume that you might have had some ideas when it came to SpaceX and maybe some of the things they were doing, but we'll, we'll talk about that um, a little bit later. Uh, you know, what I'm really interested in is the creative process. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, how does your mind work? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I need to invent something today? Or do, do you look at something and that says, well, I, I could really reimagine and repurpose that? That's a very good question because I don't have a single answer to that, to be honest. Uh, often, uh, some of the ideas that I came up with and all my colleagues 
were driven by some specific problems that we had to deal with and solve. Um, it is rare that one wakes up in the morning, and I'm talking about myself, that I come up with an idea in the morning and I fly with it. No, that's not normally the case. Normally it's the case, it's very application specific. So would it be safe to say you're an inventor of necessity? I think that, so, I think so. So you like seeing the problem and then you like trying to figure out how to get from A to B to solve it. Correct. So Israel, I want to ask you about the process of invention. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with the old adage that there's 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. Is that what you found? It, 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 or is it a little more nuanced than that? I think it's uh, much more nuanced than that. I, uh, I believe that fundamentally the creative process or the inventive process is, uh, is an act of problem solving. Uh, all problem-solving activities entail a certain level of creativity, okay? So it is really a question what kind of problem one tries to solve creatively. Some, some problems are very, very difficult to solve. Some other problems are easier to solve. And that's basically the whole spectrum uh, that one can encounter in trying to invent new approaches to deal with, a cert with certain problems. In your experience, um, when you and your teams ha had problems to solve, does the level of satisfaction that you have vary with the difficulty of the problem? Or is the satisfaction that you're able to go through a, a process and the end result of that process was an answer that hasn't been thought of before or an answer that solves something that's really challenging? Now, from my standpoint, the biggest satisfaction is derived from being able to solve some uh, difficult problems. And secondly, uh, when there is a team effort in trying to tackle a given problem, there is a tremendous level of satisfaction uh, working together with other people and arriving at that solution. And that's, by the way, the reason why so many of my patents and inventions uh, have been co-authored, because I didn't consider myself as the sole inventor. Uh, often there are other people that bring other perspectives and expertise, and they bring their experience and know-how, and that uh, amalgamates into uh, an invention. That, that raises a very interesting thing to me, and that's given the fact that many of these patents are the products of teams that have many members, part of me says you need that many people for maybe some of the tough problems, and the other part says maybe sometimes there's too many cooks in the kitchen, and it also leads me to believe that maybe there will be conflict among the inventors trying to say, um, well, my contribution was more important than yours. How, how have you dealt in a team situation trying to get everybody focus on an end product and an end process as opposed to who gets credit for what? Or is that really not a problem? 
It can, it can be a problem because when one works with different individuals, each individual has his or her personality. Some are more competitive than others, some try to outshine the others and so on. So this is human nature and we all have to deal with it on a daily basis. Uh, the way I always try to approach uh, such situations is to work with the people that were mo most, uh, let's say, qualified to help, uh, to help solve a problem. For example, my, my area of ex expertise is welding engineering. Often I, I work with designers, I work with mechanical engineers, I work with non-destructive engineers and so on. Each one of them brought a certain area of expertise and by pulling together our ideas, uh, sometimes we came up with pretty good solutions or inventions. As far as uh, dealing with stealing credit and so on, <laughs> uh, my philosophy always has been uh, to, to put whoever is involved with the creative process, put them as co-authors. And, um. and that, that goes a long way towards giving each participant a sense of, uh, of belonging, sense of uh, he or she contributed to this effort and so on. And that uh, helps mitigate this uh, conflict, potential conflict that you're talking about. Well, as you know, we want to talk about creativity and innovation um, over the course of the remainder of this episode and the following two podcasts. And this really isn't a podcast about patents, but I do think that there are some interesting ideas that relate a patent to creativity. And one of my presuppositions is in today's corporate world, Patents are kind of a scorecard, and the individual or group that holds more patents than another is automatically assumed to be more creative, is assumed to be more innovative, you know, is assumed to, to have more of those qualities that companies are looking for. But I also think that that might not be an appropriate benchmark. Do you think too much emphasis is being placed on the patent process right now? Um, do you think it's a good yardstick to measure a person's creativity? I think ultimately uh, being able to secure a patent is definitely an effective way of re representing the ability of an individual or a team of uh, solving a problem, hopefully effectively. However, I don't think that uh, the number of patents is necessarily or shouldn't be necessarily the benchmark to judge somebody only on that uh, in this area. Uh, when there is a team or in a corporation, for example, or any organization for that matter, there are many other uh, there are many other types of activities where individuals take part, and the creative process is one of them. So Israel, I think there's an analog when it comes to academia, and that's the number of articles that someone authors, that's the number of presentations given, or maybe it's the number of times you're listed as a lead author or a co-author on an academic paper, you know, the, the old publish or perish. And I'm wondering in your experience, if the number of articles an individual publishes, the number of times they're a co-author, if that's an adequate benchmark of their innovative skills and prowess and their creativity? I don't think there's a simple answer to that. 
I think uh, some, pe- some academics, whether they are professors or PhD candidates, doctoral candidates, uh, when they publish, they publish brilliant work. So from that standpoint, the quality of, of their publications speak for themselves, and it is a very important uh, feedback or indication to their abilities especially in the area of creativity, creative thinking, abstract, abstract think, uh, thinking, and so on. However, there's also this tension in academia or all, all, all scientific uh, endeavors of quantity versus quality. Okay, I think just publishing for the sake of publishing is a often an unfortunate outcome of administrative requirements by the organization that one is employed, be it a university, be it an organization, research organization, and so on. Quality is extremely important, and as far as I'm concerned, I always have been trying to judge different publications based on the, on the quality of the work that has been published, not necessarily the number, the quality, the quantity. Let me ask you I this. Hope I answered this yeah, you absolutely hit my my question, Israel. Why don't we end this podcast and this really fascinating conversation we're having with maybe just some reflections on your part about the inventors over the years that you've been worked with or exposed to, the inventions that you've seen. Is there anything that strikes you as being, you know, otherworldly magical that it was a problem that you thought was so difficult it could never be solved, yet someone harnessed their creativity or their their um, innovation and they did something that you didn't expect? Does anything fit in that category? Well, allow me to allow me to uh, cite three examples, not necessarily from my career. But those are, those are the cases of three, let's call them, distinguished scientists, brilliant people. One of them is Albert Einstein, who, who came up with the, with the uh, first theory of relativity, and then he expanded it to the general theory, theory of relativity, which in my mind, I, I don't see how a human mind can come up with such profoundly uh, comprehensive understanding of the universe and physics of nature. Okay. The other example is uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci, as many, many people know, he's been eclectic in his interest. But what fascinates me about Leonardo da Vinci, he really straddles the world of art with the world of uh, science and engineering, even though he was not officially trained as an engineer and he didn't know mathematics, but just his creative abilities, innate ability, uh, enabled him to come up with such incredibly advanced uh, inventions that were ahead of its time. And the third example is Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur was a biologist in in Paris, in France, and through his work uh, with uh, microscopy, 
He specialized in uh, uh, investigating the effects on, uh, let's say, biosystems on polarized light. And through his experience with the microscope and polarized light, he was able to identify the, let's say, the workings of bacteria. And that led him to be able to really advance the optimization of fermentation. And furthermore, that enabled him and his uh, assistant to come up with the first effective rabies vaccine. All of that was done through experience in different disciplines. Now, very interesting part of the rabies development, uh, the rabies vaccine development was the fact that when he looked under the microscope, he could not see any bacteria that would be associated with this disease. So he used his imagination, I call it the zooming intellect, and he postulated that there is something small, much smaller than bacteria, and it turned out to be correct. It turned out that the, the rabies is caused by a virus. I love those insights, Israel. Over the course of these podcasts, we're going to start talking more about what is creativity, what is innovation, and how can our companies leverage those innate qualities of people and change the DNA of their organizations. One of the things that has struck me throughout the course of my career is the need for innovation is quite self-evident in many companies. However, many companies decide their solution is to look west, look at Silicon Valley, and say, we need to be more like them, throw money at people, give them time off, and say, be more like those people out west. And that never works. So I think over the course of the, the next uh, two podcasts, we're going to talk about what can make it work. Israel, thank you very much for joining Thinking Through Autonomy. And we'll see you again, hopefully, for part number two and part number three. Thank you. It's my pleasure.